0: Well, uh, since I've gotten here, um, one of the things I've tried to instill in us and continue, it uh, was already there, but just continue it is the support for our missionaries. Uh, I grew up and spent part of my childhood as a missionary kid, and so I know how important it is to have that support from uh, the churches that are behind you. And so uh, we do a missions month every year since I've been here and invite as many missionaries as we can to come and share with us. And Scott and his family, um, the last time, I think we figured this out, that we did meet, but it was when Mary and I were candidating here uh, back in 2019, spring. So uh, he's not been able to come uh to those months but sends us a video but um found out he was going to be here and so wanted him to come and share he's a great preacher you know uh and so he he's going to bring a good message but scott would you come up just want to pray for you and your family if you guys would join me uh it's so important that we cover our missionaries uh, with our prayers. so pray with me god thank you so much for uh the lang and myers thank you for their heart for you uh the commitment they've made to serve and to sacrifice to advance your your cause in the world. We just pray um, that you would continue to watch over them and protect them. God, give them strength and courage. Help them as they continue to influence others and as they reach folks um, and influence folks all over the world. I just pray that you continue to give them everything they need. Fill them up. Completely um, with your presence and your power and God just allow them to serve and to help others and to pass on that mission's heart and ability to reach others. And so thank you, God. Uh, just empower him as he preaches and brings a message today. Thank you for uh, him being able to be here. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Thanks, John. I just want to kind of reiterate what was said about Iwanis because that, that was something that impacted my life greatly. I mean, to this day, when I sit in a church and someone says, turn your Bibles to this passage, I start to sing the song in my head, and then I get to the book of the Bible that I needed to land on, and that's how I do it. So, I mean, it really does impact lives, and you learn things uh, that, that really transform you. So, take advantage of that opportunity. Um, it's a privilege for me to be here today. I've said it. Yesterday night, I said it this morning, and I don't say it now, disconnected. I say it from the depths of my heart. It is a privilege to be able to look you in the eyes, to say thank you for your support of our ministry, of our family. Uh, You guys are being used by God to do awesome things around the world. And I I stand in amazement how a church like Mitchell Berean is willing to come alongside of our family and invest faithfully individuals within this church who who invest in our family every month. Uh, Fruit is is coming into place, and I think it's incredible because you're being used by God to sow seeds, fruits coming uh, into life, and you probably will never see that fruit. You may never enjoy that fruit, but for your faith to be able to continue to invest in this journey with us is really amazing. And I hope that this morning God encourages you through his word, through maybe a few stories about what he's been doing through our ministry. Uh, I say we because I don't serve alone. I have three little girls, Emily, Lucy, and Sophie, and my beautiful wife, Mani. And I brought a small video with this morning just to show you them. Unfortunately, they couldn't come with because of COVID. International restrictions are still quite complicated, and they just started with school. So they're still at home in Europe, but I'd like to show you this short video so you can see their smiling faces as well.
0: Hello, Michipurian Church. This is Manny. I'm Scott's wife, and these are our three wild girls. Emily, can you say how old you are? Six and how old are you? Lucy, this is Lucy and Sophie, how old are you? Yeah. So, she doesn't know what
1: German, English or Spanish is so she just mixes them all, all up but we yeah. wanted to say
0: hi and thank you uh, for yeah. the Me time that too. you've given Scott yeah. to share with you and we hope yeah. that you get to enjoy him and we wish we could be with you, but sadly it didn't work out this time. And hopefully, next time we can see each other and spend some time together. Uh, but just a little greeting, and so you can see our faces this video. Can you say bye, girls? Bye! Bye! bye. <laughs> can you say bye? <laughs>
1: so, I don't know if you can tell which one is our wildest, daughters of the three. Oh, we live in a, a two-bedroom apartment on campus, and sometimes things get pretty wild with those three little girls, but I love them, and, and they're really uh, a blessing to my life. So the, this morning, I actually brought a mission stand with where you can get a little bit more information about our organization. I have specifically, for example, our newsletter that gives information about what God's been doing in our lives and through our ministry. We work with an organization called Movida, and that's a Spanish play on words, which means moving lives, moviendo lives beat us. And that's what we want to do. We want to see the spiritual lives of people moved, so that they can find their place in God's greater story. So not just their spiritual lives, but their physical lives as well. To understand that God has given them gifts. God has given them talents. And in the place that God has placed them in today, he wants to use them for something special. Or goal our vision is to see Latin American youth committed to God and his mission serving interculturally to impact the world we believe that God is doing something special within Latin America and now if you've been paying attention you might be saying Scott you live in Switzerland but now you're talking about Latin America there's a big ocean in between how can that ever work Well, we have an organization that works all over really within the world, in Latin America but also in Europe, and where I currently live in Switzerland, we have a missions training school, and the idea is to teach intercultural principles in an intercultural environment to help people understand how can they be a part of God's mission and not just theoretically hear about what does culture shock mean, what does learning a new language mean, but to really experience it. We have Bible classes which we give our students, but we also have kind of a character training school where we put people in difficult situations where they can be confronted with what they have within their own hearts so that God can transform them. And we do that consciously, sending people into difficult situations. And that's something I believe from the depths of my heart. I've never heard someone leave Disneyland and say, man, I just learned so much. That was a great time. But what I do hear is people, when they pass through difficult, challenging situations, when they reach their limits, they say, God just taught me so much. And so we do things like send our students into guest families for one week where they don't understand the language, uh, where they really don't know how everything works, but where they have to observe, where they have to learn how to communicate with the little abilities that they do have so that they can be confronted with their own character and that God can work at the depths of their being. I've been now on the mission field for about 11 years and I've really come to the grasp the fact that the majority of missionaries don't leave the field because they don't have a great Bible knowledge. The majority of missionaries return home because they have a very difficult character. Uh, They they have a difficult time forgiving other people. They have conflicts with other people on the mission field. That exists as well. And they just can't find the way forward. And so we try to help... uh, Create these situations where people can be transformed, where they can learn principles that will help them in their future ministry. Our school is called Prisma, which is another Spanish word, and the idea is that people will come in just as light enters a prism, that's Prisma, uh, and they'll be transformed to go out on the other side as a bright light to shine the good news of Jesus in a relevant language that reaches the hearts of the people. So you can take some information from the back. We also have a short-term program for young people from three months to 12 months for people who'd like to kind of take a gap year, learn a new language, be used by God, and a special way uh, that will turn your life upside down I guarantee it and you'll never regret it so you can see our stand at the end I brought two friends with today Brittany and Mauro they helped lead a missions trip from this church in 2017 to Costa Rica and I know that they would be excited to see you guys as well and talk with you so The last thing that I want to introduce is I brought this nifty little yellow card and on the back side there's an opportunity to fill out your name and address. I'd love to stay connected with you uh, to be able to send you our newsletter and ministry updates. I know that you receive a lot of things and I'm not going to just send random stuff all the time but I do want to be able to have you be connected to what God's doing to be given new opportunities we have lots and lots of opportunities no matter if you're a farmer, if you're retired, uh, if you're a student, uh, God can use you and and we would love to help you get connected. So you can fill that card out. We have a little box at our stand too. You can put it right in there. Or if you want to support the U.S. government, you can pay for postage and send it in as well. A little bit of stimulus never did anybody any bad, huh? Uh, But you can fill that out and give it to us. And the last thing that I brought, because I'm coming from Switzerland, I thought that I'd have to bring some Swiss chocolate so you can get some of that uh, at the stand at the back. I don't want to take it home, so feel free to, to grab some of that. Wonderful. I'm going to say just a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into the book of Esther. Jesus, you are, you are so, so good. And just singing that song again this morning reminded me of of how throughout all of my life you've been faithful. And I pray, God, that this morning you would help us to see your faithfulness I know that we all have a different situation that we're experiencing now. Maybe we're frustrated, maybe we're hurt. Maybe we have questions that, that seem to have no answer. And I pray, Father, that this morning you would replace that doubt, that fear, that frustration with your character, with security in who you are, and that we would see you in the things that you're doing in our lives and around us. In your name I pray. Amen. So this morning I want to look at the story of Esther and and her relationship with Mordecai. And I think that it's a book, a story we're studying, because it, it reflects deep truths that we easily forget. I mean, it's truths that impact the way that we think, impact the way that we act, impact the way that we interact with other people. It's truths that reflect God and His beautiful character and even things within our own character. But the book of Esther is really unique. I don't know if you spend a lot of time studying it, but it's a book that doesn't directly mention the name of God. It's a book that doesn't mean, directly mention prayer. Sometimes in the text that seems to be doing like acrobatic moves to not directly address God or, or prayer. And I find it so interesting because it's a book that includes deceit, a book that includes death, hate, pain, joy, transformation, A book that I think is very relevant for a situation in which we are living in today. And the book starts out with a king. And this king is loaded. Like he's got a lot of stuff. And he wants to have a party to show everybody what he's got. So the text says that he had a party for 180 days to show off his riches. So I mean we're talking about a guy who's got some deep pockets. And during this big party, he reaches a point where he wants to do something like the county fair to show off his wife, how beautiful she is, kind of like the prize bull, and and bring her out in front of everybody. And the woman says what I think every woman in that situation would have said, nope, I'm not going. And that makes the king so mad that he actually takes her away and, and, and she's no longer queen. And then Esther, through different circumstances, is ultimately chosen to be the new queen. And then in the story, there's a a guy named Haman. And then a little bit before that, Mordecai, so that's her spiritual father, it's kind of like her uncle, tells her as queen not to tell the other people that she's a Jew. And so then Haman, who comes up later in the story, wants all the Jews, wants her uncle Mordecai to bow down to him. And Mordecai doesn't do it. And that makes Haman so mad that he has the king write a new decree that all the Jews will just be killed, they'll be slaughtered. So, I mean, talk about an unproportional punishment for what had happened. This just shows the man's anger for what had happened. And then Mordecai comes to Esther and has a thrilling conversation with her about what's going to happen to her and what will happen to the rest of the Jews if something doesn't change. And it's this conversation that I want to look at with you this morning. In Esther four twelve to 17 But before I dive into the text with you. I want to let the cat out of the bag. And tell you the three points to this sermon. So that you can begin to reflect on them. And I would summarize them with three main questions. And the first question is. Do you believe that God uses your decisions in life. For a bigger purpose. Do you believe that God uses your decisions. The decisions that appear to you to be insignificant. For a bigger purpose. Do you believe. Point number two. Question number two. Do you believe what you do today. Is meaningful. Do you believe the things that you are doing in your life. Have a purpose. That they're meaningful. And the third question. Which makes me kind of uncomfortable, but I have to ask it anyway. Do you think there are things in life worth dying for? Do you think there are things in life worth sacrificing for? Esther 4, 12 to 17. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you in your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you've not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Do you believe that God uses your decisions in life for a bigger purpose? So Mordecai does in this situation what really any good spiritual leader, any good spiritual father would do. He sees a problem and he addresses it. You know, it's easy for us to read through this passage without it connecting on a deep level with our emotions because You and I both know that today, when we go home, we're going to have something to eat, we're going to go to sleep, and it's more than likely we're going to wake up the next day. But when Mordecai talked with Esther in this moment, they didn't know how things were going to end. They didn't know what the end result would ultimately be. All he knew was that if something didn't change, they would both pay the price with their life. So how does Mordecai address this problem? He helps Esther see what's truly happening. He he, he makes her aware of the reality in which she is living. He tells her it doesn't matter, Esther, if you live in the king's palace. It doesn't matter how you feel right now. He reminds her that she is a Jew and that she will ultimately pay the price with her life if something doesn't change. And isn't that a reality that you and I need to be reminded of as well? You know, I think so often we become accustomed to to where we live, to the luxuries of life, and we think that this is it, that this this is how it is all over the world. This is how it should be. But friends, we live in a blessed place that comes with a great responsibility, and it's not like this everywhere. I mean, think about it. We live in a country where more people die because they eat too much than because they don't get enough to eat. We live in a world where we complain about the luxuries of our life and equal them to basic necessities when in reality they're luxuries. And so Mordecai does what I believe we need to have happen to us have our eyes open to the reality in which we are living. That's so vital for us. And then Mordecai does something incredible. He reminds her of a truth that, that we need to build our lives on. He says, Esther, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place. In other words, he reminds Esther that God has a promise and that he will remain faithful to that promise whether or not Esther is faithful. She says, regardless of you, if you speak or not, Esther, God is in control. God has a plan. He has a place where this is all going to end, and he will be faithful. He has it in his hands. You know, often we're tempted to think in the midst of this chaos, of this uncertainty, that somehow God has lost control, but he hasn't. I love that the Bible doesn't give easy answers for complicated realities. See, it's important to realize that Esther is making her own decisions, decisions with consequences, but God is still in control. Mordecai says if Esther doesn't respond, God will still be faithful to his people and he will still provide relief. In other words, that God has an end plan in mind, that he has the, the situation in his hand. And that truth has to impact the, to the depths of our being. We see it happen to Esther that it gives her a confidence, a joy, a security because she knows how it's going to end, right? If we know how things will end, how we vision the future impacts how we live today. So if I see the future as something negative, as I, as, if I see the future as something to be feared, then I'm going to live insecure, I'm going to live with uncertainties. But if I know that God is in control, that he reigns from everlasting to everlasting, then I will have a peace and a joy that transcends all circumstances, all understanding, because I know in the end, everything will be good. And if it's not good, then it's not the end. Tomorrow I will board a plane from Denver and I will fly to Europe. And in that plane, there's going to be a lot of people doing a lot of different things. Some are going to be eating. Some are going to be watching movies. Some will be reading. Kids will be crying. It'll be a situation filled with lots of different things. But on that plane, there will be one person who has the control, and that's the pilot. And that pilot is going to take off in Denver. And even if I go to him and say, You want to know what? I forgot to give Ken a hug before I left on Sunday morning. Could you just stop quick in Mitchell so I can say goodbye to Ken? The pilot's going to say, No, we have one destination, and that's where we're going to go. And I'm going to get that plane to that destination no matter what. And friends, there's one pilot, there's one king, and he has one story, and it has a clear end. And he's taking the history, he's taking this overarching story for his glorious plan of salvation. Sometimes, uh, sorry, I think that it's incredible because Esther, she's making these, these decisions that have consequences, but God still has his overarching story. And I wonder if you believe this. I wonder if you believe it in your personal life that God has an overarching story that has a clear end, but a story that we can still be a part of. Sometimes I like to reflect back on my life and see how how decisions have ended to where I am today, how long rows of decisions over years have influenced the, the path of my life to get where I am today. You know, if I would ask you, how did it happen that I'm speaking to you this morning? How did I get here? You might say, well, you got in your car and you drove here and that's how it worked. And on the surface level, that would be true. But how I got here, when you look deeper into the story, you see God's hand at work as he moves and navigates the situation. So a defining moment in my life was when I went to Bible school at Torchbearers in England. That's where I met my wife. That's where we made the decision together to serve God and his mission wherever he calls us. And that was a defining moment in my life. That's how we ended up here, uh, sharing about our ministry. But, but how did I get to Bible school? I grew up in Alliance, Nebraska, uh, and in the Berean church there. Went to your youth group, and we had a girl in our youth group who did an exchange here in Slovakia. While she was there, she had heard random people talking English. She went and talked to them because she hadn't heard English in a while. She asked them uh, just what they were doing. These people told her about a Bible school in England, Torchbearers. She considered going. She ended up going. She came back, told me about it. I thought about it for about a year. I ended up going. I met my wife. We made a commitment to serve God and his mission. And then in the middle of this story, we reached a point in our lives where we needed more finances. We were having to grow family so I called up my sister Stacy Gerard and my brother-in-law John Gerard and asked them if they know of anyone individuals churches who would be willing to join us on this ministry and they said well Mitchell Berean might do that And I thought no way you know that was a big church that I always drove by when I was younger it's it's out of my league you know no way And then through phone calls, all of a sudden, I was here having meetings, and and lo and behold, Mitchell Berean took us on as one of their missionaries. You know, when this woman from our youth group went to Slovakia and had a conversation with people who spoke English, I don't think anyone would have ever said that that would have resulted in me going to Bible school, meeting my wife, becoming involved in full-time ministry, and one day speaking here before you, but it did. And just like my story, God is orchestrating your story through decisions that you are making. And he's using them in his great, awesome, overarching story in his story of grace and redemption. But I wonder if you believe it. Do you see God using your decisions in life for a bigger purpose? God is at work even in moments where things appear random, even when moments when things appear insignificant. We have to realize that God is in control, that his future is secure, that he's, that he's taking these decisions that we make that seem insignificant and using them for a greater story. You now this is a significant question that demands a response because it affects the way we live in the present It affects the way we interact with others and how we live our life. Leads me to my second point and second question. Do you believe what you do is meaningful? Do you believe what you do is meaningful? So Mordecai, after making Esther aware that she's part of a bigger story, he asks her a profound question that really like cuts to the heart. He asks her, if it's possible that she's in her current position for a purpose. He says, and who knows whether you've not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So let's reflect on Esther's life just for a second. I mean, she didn't just wake up one day and whew, she was queen. I mean, she became queen after a long row of decisions. And some of those decisions were terrible. They were deceitful. And you would probably never hear someone using the pulpit to say, this is how I got where I am. But that's what God used. He used her story. And now Mordecai helps her understand that regardless of how she arrived where she is, she's now in a position for a purpose. And it can be used by God for something meaningful. Meaningful. Do you believe that about your own life? Do you look back on your life at a long row of decisions, some good, some bad, maybe even some terrible, and know that your story can be used by God and His grace, and that He wants to use you to be a part of something meaningful? You know, I find it interesting that Esther, she wasn't a prophet, she wasn't a pastor, she wasn't a missionary. She was a woman in a specific position who now had the opportunity to be used by God. I think too often in our lives we minimize what it means to be used by God. And we we put in different boxes or, or define things in our life as spiritual. These are the things that I do for God, that I do in his power. And these are kind of just the things that I do. But I'm convinced that God doesn't want to just use certain areas of your life and and define them as spiritual, but he sees that who you are, that what you do day in and day out as an opportunity to bring him glory, as an opportunity to affect and impact the lives of others through the power of the gospel. So I think that sometimes we're tempted to minimize or say, these are the spiritual things I do on Sunday morning or the spiritual things I do within my workplace. And we say that to be a Christian means to put little Bible verses on cups or maybe before we we start our day at work, we have a short little prayer and that's it. And I'm not minimizing that. That's a good things. Those are great things. But if we minimize our purpose, our place in God's story to just certain moments within the day, I believe we're missing the point. I don't think that we can separate the things we do for God, the things we do in his power from the things that we're currently doing because God wants to use all of our life, all of what we are. So how do we do that? How did Esther do that? And I believe concretely that means to live out the gospel, to live in this reality that there is good news, that that broken hearts can be mended, that empty hearts can be filled, that there's nothing that can fill it with except for that treasure of Jesus in such a deep and passionate way that it affects the way in which we live. I think that we can't be oversimplistic with that. I've read once a story from a man named Timothy Keller. He's my, my favorite author, one of my favorite pastors. And he's told a story about a woman who arrived at his church. And the woman uh, was there and he asked, well, how did you get here? And she said, well, in my work, I had made some mistakes and, and the management had found out about that. So they called in my supervisor and my supervisor went in and they got they kind of got mad at my supervisor, but my supervisor took responsibility for the poor mistakes that I had made. She said that impacted me so much. So she, she asked to have a meeting with her supervisor and she told him, you know, I've had it happen a lot of times in my life that people have accepted credit for the good things that I've done. I've never had it happen that someone has accepted credit for the bad things that I've done. Usually, people would throw you under the bus and kind of make sure that my rep- reputation is intact and what happens to you doesn't really matter to me. And she asked him, "Why would you do that? Why would you accept responsibility for the negative things that I did?" And he responded, "Well, to tell you the truth, I'm a I'm a Christian and There was someone who accepted the responsibility for the negative things, the terrible things that I did in my life. And so how can I not do the same for you? And that woman was so impacted. She said, man, what church do you go to? I want to be a part of it. And I envision a church. I love to be a part of a church, because I think Mitchell Berean is this type of church where, where there's professional people, people who, who use their careers, their places, their arenas that God places them in every day to live out the gospel, to share His good news and to reflect His glorious kingdom in the things that they're doing. So do you believe what you do is meaningful? I realize that not every day we're going to have one success story after the next, one mountaintop experience after the next, but I do believe that God has placed you in a position today so that you can be used by him in a special and meaningful way. You know, who knows whether you have not become a carpenter, a teacher, a businessman, a nurse for such a time as this. Now I can't specifically answer how can you live out the gospel in your current situation. But I believe from the depths of my heart that what you're doing has the potential to be meaningful and used by God to impact lives not only for today, but for all of eternity. Through Mordecai's influence, Esther realized her position had a purpose, And so she sent the others to fast for three days. And then she said, I will go to the king, those against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Wow. If I perish, I perish. Point number three and question number three. Do you think there are things in life worth dying for? Do you think there are things in life worth sacrificing for? You know, I think we, we often live with the temptation to believe that this is all there is, you know, that this is kind of the end result, that, that what we experience today, you know, that's it. But friends, this isn't the end. This isn't the end result. There, there's something so much better, something so much more beautiful. And I realize that in our Western world, we're probably not going to reach the point where we say, if I perish, I perish. But we probably will reach a point where we say, if my reputation is damaged, then it's damaged. If my financial situation gets worse, then it gets worse. When we live in obedience to God and live out the purpose and meaning that he has for our life. But how can we say this? How can Esther reach a point in her life to say it from the depths of her being and really mean it? You know, to get past that point of just looking out for number 1 and saying, "If I perish, I perish. If if I'm set back, it's okay." And I believe the only way that we can truly do this, the only way that Esther could truly say this from the depths of her being and mean it, is to realize that in our life we can have a lot of good things. We can have a great job. We can have awesome hobbies. We can have cool material possessions. But we have something so much better. To realize in our life we can have great relationships. We can have people that we love a lot. But there's one that we love more. I don't think it's about loving others less. I don't think it's about caring about others less. But it's about realizing that God is supreme, that he is ultimate, that he is our biggest treasure. I think this is the only way that Mordecai can invite someone that he loves into such a difficult situation how he can invite her in a situation that could ultimately cost her her life because he knows that God is supreme. He knows that he is the ultimate treasure and that even if everything else is falling apart, that if the world around her is crumbling, that internally she can be at home because she's loved and accepted by the king of kings. You know, today you and I live with great news because we actually did have someone who perished for us. Someone went in our place, but conquered death, and beat the pain and suffering. Jesus paid that ultimate price for you and for me, and he makes it possible that our decisions can be significant in a bigger story, namely his bigger story. Jesus makes it possible that we can be part of something meaningful today. Whether we're a mother, a father, retired, working full time or can't work at all. He makes it possible so that our lives are meaningful and have a purpose. And Jesus makes it possible for us to say, if I perish, I perish. Because we know he is our greatest treasure. Friends, these are truths that we have to be reminded of day in and day out. I find it so amazing to read the Bible and to see men and women of God who had unforgettable experiences with God and then they forget about it shortly thereafter and live their life as if it never happened. So Moses in Genesis, he has an experience with God in the burning bush, right? An experience that if you and I would have, we would say, that's enough for a lifetime, that's awesome. To hear God's voice audibly and just know what you got to do? And then you read three chapters later, Moses forgot about everything, and he's crying around wondering what's going on because things aren't exactly what he thought they were going to be. And that's you, that's me. We need to be reminded that God is in control. That he has a clear end in mind. And how we understand that, how we understand the, the future and his hold on that future affects how we live in the present. And the opposite is also true. If we look how we live in the present, it shows what we truly believe about the future. Friends, God is at work and he's doing incredible, amazing things. Sometimes I think, after now 10 years of ministry, 11 years of, of being outside of the United States, and sending my newsletter, inviting people to financially support with us to support different projects. Sometimes I wonder, man, are they ever going to get tired? Are they ever going to just say, you know, you just go your way and we're going to go our way? Uh, it's been cool, it's been good, but you know, it's just not. No, it's it's been good. And then I read this story. And I see God inviting Esther into this story, and I think, man. We're not losing anything. Any invitation that I extend to you isn't a loss. It's not it's not something that that just misses the point. It's an invitation into his great story, realizing that Jesus, that God, is our biggest treasure, and that everything else is really just of second importance because he is of ultimate importance. Do you believe that God uses your decisions in life for a bigger purpose? Do you believe the things that you are doing today are meaningful? And do you believe there are things in life we're sacrificing for? I'd like to pray. God, you are good. You are, and I just know, God, that, that you're Working in our hearts today, and and we're gonna be tempted to to return to our distractions, return to the things that, that we do day in and day out. And I pray, God, that you would make us aware of the reality in which we're living, that you would help us be faithful day in and day out as we bring you the glory that only you deserve. And I thank you, God that the future is secure that as we gaze into the future and have so many questions so many doubts that you can replace those doubts and fears because you can be trusted and I know that there's so much real pain real frustrations just as Esther and Mordecai experienced but I also know God you are good and you have always been good and you always will be good and in the end it will be good good, and if it's not good, it's not the end. And I pray, God, that that truth would find its roots deep within our soul, and that it would change and impact the way that we live today. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.